Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars the Podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars and more. My name's Blake. I am joined tonight with the best host in the Earth Kingdom. First off, the Air Nomad, Wesley. What's up, Twinkle Toes? Water Tribe Chief, Grant. Hmm. I'm blind. I can't see. And Fire Lord Diedrich. You will never convince me there is a war in Bossing Sack. So tonight we are talking some more Avatar. We are going to get into book two a little bit later. We've, we've taken this journey together as a team. And I can't wait to see what, what happens. What kind of fruitful discussions are going to be had tonight. It's going to be a lot of great fun. But first, we have some news. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this. Whoever you are. So first in our news, we are going to talk a little bit of She-Hulk. She-Hulk came out today, the day we're recording, which is August 18th, 2022. And it was released on Disney+. Plus. You can go watch that now if you have a subscription. You more than likely have one if you're listening to us. Go check out She-Hulk. I've watched the first little bit. I haven't finished it yet. Um, So far, I'm I'm liking it. So, you guys excited to to see any She-Hulk or no? Does She-Hulk smash? Does 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 She-Hulk smash? Uh, if you read the comics, she smashes quite a bit, actually, and maybe not the way you're thinking. Actually, I own a lot of those comics, but yeah, I'll be late to watching the show. Yeah, nothing super exciting about it in the in the front running. I mean, uh, Daredevil's back, Charlie Cox is back as Daredevil, but. Did you see the suit? It's ye- it has yellow all in it. It's like a ketchup and mustard daredevil. What does that have to do with She-Hulk? <laughs> it's he's in She-Hulk. That's where he makes his uh, his return. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. you, in in the first, I episode? mentioned that in, at the beginning of that. If you listen, Blake, you see he doesn't listen to me, guys. So is he in? Is he in episode one? I don't know if he's in episode one, but they have uh, showed him in a teaser for She-Hulk, wearing a yellow and red suit. It looks like ketchup and mustard. It, it really does. Cool. So, Hot Dog Daredevil. Um, I'm excited to see more of She-Hulk. What I've seen so far, I'm interested in. It's, it kind of it delves into kind of the anatomy of Hulk. It really brings kind of a uh, personality to the Hulk character that we don't get a lot of uh, from most things. Which Hulk? Well, so far, what I've seen, both uh, Mark Ruffalo... Ruff- from what I've seen... Both Mark Ruffalo and whoever the lady is playing She-Hulk. I don't know her name. I feel bad now that I don't, but I don't. So, only one of them can be Hulk at a time? Is that how it works? Or can they both no, be Hulk? No, they can both be Hulk. But one's a scientist yeah, and one's a lawyer. It's... Yes. And their child can be like an engineer. Well, they're cousins. Oh, so... oh. well, it's not Star Wars, so let's move on. Yeah, yeah. The, the only reason that that works is because she has the same DNA as uh, Bruce Banner. So Bruce Banner has a, is he's one of the only people who can be Hulk because of the makeup of his DNA, and she has that same DNA being his cousin. So therefore, she can be She Hulk. So, given you know how cousin relationships go, would their child, if they did have one, be normal? Let's not get into that. Let's not even... What if he was double Hulk? 
double hulk. Webbed hulk. Webbed hulk feet. Oh, gosh. He could swim real well, I'm sure. Rogue One is making a triumphant return to theaters, namely IMAX theaters, on August 26th. It's going to run for a week. Uh, that would be from August 26th to September 2nd in anticipation for the new Andor show. Are any of you guys going to go see Rogue One in the IMAX theater? I might go see it. That's my that's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. I saw it. And go see what my buddies are up to. I saw it three times in theaters when it first came out. I think I'm good. I do like it. Like It has nothing to do with not wanting to see it again, but I'm good. Yeah, but IMAX, though. Big screen, big sound. It was in IMAX when I it first it came out. I think it would be really cool. Yeah, but I didn't see it in IMAX when it first came out. I'm glad you have the opportunity to make amends. That's right. Did, did you see it in IMAX when it first came out? I just said that, yeah. Yes. No, you just said it was in IMAX when it first came out. You didn't say you saw it. Oh, my bad. All right, I saw in it IMAX. in IMAX. One of the three times I saw it when it first came out. All right, so you don't even need the experience. So this isn't for you, Dietrich. You just sit at home and watch it on Disney+, Plus, and we'll Skype you in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not often you get to go rewatch a movie in theaters years later after, after it's been released. And so I know I'm going to watch... You know, I'm going to watch Rogue One again at some point, so might as well go watch it in theaters again. So, that's my that's my take. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's not often that a movie gets a re-release in theaters. You will with some classic movies, really really popular movies. I know that The Wizard of Oz actually showed in theaters for Judy Garland's 100th birthday not too long ago. So that's that's pretty cool. Speaking of Rogue One and/or the Disney Plus show, will premiere on September 21st, 2022. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we get more out of the this show than we have some other ones. I know we're not all happy with everything that Disney's put out. But this show looks like it's going to be full of espionage and war games and all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm pretty excited for that. I mean, it's, it, it's looking better. Every time I see more and more, I'm a little bit hyped. Just because I, I didn't have much thought about it coming in. But the more I see, the more I'm starting to be... Excited. Uh oh, Diedrich, Diedrich was just like a hard. I can I'm going the other way. On now this one. he's he's. Uh oh, he's 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 come he's coming into the fold. <laughs> but I, I started out a lot like you, Diedrich. I, I slept on this one. I I heard Andor was coming out, and I'm like, do I really need to see more Andor? I mean, I, I he's great in Rogue One. He's he's fine. I, I like him in that that movie. But I was just like, eh, do, I, do I need more Andor? And then watching the trailers. It's not going to just be about Andor. It really seems like it's about the beginning of the Rebellion in general, which is really fascinating to me. Maybe they'll bring in some of those deleted scenes from Episode 3, get some flashbacks about how everything kind of started, and and we d we're definitely getting Imperial Senate stuff. I, Mon Mothma? I That's what wait. made me turn, seeing, seeing Coruscant again and seeing the political stuff. I'm like, oh, political in, in Star Wars again? Maybe I'll like it. Political spy thriller. Here we come. I think yeah, not a, not a genre that uh that Star Wars really takes on very often. So I can't wait to see how they do it. Um, yeah, I'm seeing more and more not Cassie and Andor. So that's kind of why I'm excited. I was just thinking, are we just gonna see Cassie and <laughs> do a bunch of crap? And do I want to watch a character sling a blaster around for six hours? Probably, but right. you know, I was on the fence about it before. Well, 
Well, it's going to be about 12 hours. He's getting 12 episodes. So, I don't know how long they're going to be, though. Dork Wars, the podcast, has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. And we have Dork Wars the t-shirt, Dork Wars the hoodie, Dork Wars the coffee mug, and yes, we even have Dork Wars the fire flakes. You can burn your mouth off while listening to this show, or not, because we don't have fire flakes. They don't exist. The world of Avatar The Last Airbender is unfortunately not a real place, and I don't think, I don't know, maybe fire flakes do exist somewhere. Maybe they're like a like a hometown thing somewhere that, that people make that we're just not aware of. That would that'd be cool. And if you're listening, we would like to put Dork Wars on the packaging and make some money off of it. They're hot. They're girl. Oh, hot, 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 hot. <laughs> I like that slogan. I think that's the way we go. Yeah, I could just, I could see like a platypus tiger coming up. They're hot. Yeah, or the boulder. You can always get the boulder. Celebrity endorsements. Let's go. I'm the boulder. Enjoy some tasty fire flakes. Yeah, the boulder would be great. It's part of a balanced breakfast, brother. Yeah, I think Diedrich kind of slipped into Hulk Hogan a little bit, but whatever. It's the same thing. It's the same vibe. Same, th- same guy. Yeah. He doesn't say brother, I don't think, other than that. But the vibe, it's like, you know, tough guy. You want to be entertained? He does talk like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I'm going to bend some earth. You got to have a little bit of constipation in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> so check out Dork Wars Merchandise Store. You can find that on DorkWarsPodcast.com, where you can also find the links to our YouTube channel where we do Dork Wars Live every other Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also find the link to our show, all the places that we stream from, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Audible, all those places, anywhere that you find podcasts, we're probably there. Dork Wars the Podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. And speaking of the Red 5 Network, before we get into our, our main topic, I was actually on an episode of the Scare of podcast. It was a great episode. We talked about Star Wars, some of the most pivotal moments that happened. So go check that out. Go check them out. And check out all the other Red 5 shows as well. Tonight, we are going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender Book 2 Earth. So when talking about this book, some regard this as the best book, the best season of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm not sure where I stand on that, but I'm excited to talk about it because a lot of amazing things happen. I mean, we get a lot of new characters. We get a lot of new ideas. We have amazing character development from some that were in season one and some of the new characters as well. This season is where this show really takes off full speed ahead towards the end game, right? This is... It's a great season. There's there's not a lot of filler in this season like there kind of was in season one. You have less of those episodes that are just self-contained. Well, I guess every episode's self-contained, but it, it really moves the plot forward. The plot starts really jumping here. 
what are some of your guys' favorite story arcs in this book? Uh, overall, Ong. My name is Ong. Ong. Are you the Avatar Ong? Sorry, Ang. It's Ang. Don't you do that. I will ah, fire you. Ah, where's my paycheck? M. Night Shyamalan. We're going to go with Ang, I guess. Ang. Who's his Appa? And I guess it's a long story arc, right? I think it's maybe four episodes until they're reunited. But the episode they're reunited feels is longer. one of my favorites. Man, I don't know. It might be longer. It's Maybe it's more. I don't know. It's the, it's the season finale, and they lose Appa right after they've meeting... Got, they've got Appa... They have Appa two episodes before the last one, I think. That's when they meet back up. Let's look it up. We have the internet. We have the power. I just... I just watched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that a story arc? I mean, however many episodes it is, I believe it's a story arc. It is right? a story. It is a story so, arc. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's integral I, to the entirety of the season. It is. It's like it's like half the season though. Like he's going for half the season. Yeah. And I, I will say that I like the story arc. They they could have done that in, in less episodes and, and taken less time to do it. I like where it went. But it just seemed like a weird kind of side story to me. They certainly turned into it. Uh, I, I, jumping ahead a little bit, my, my least favorite episode of the season was easily the Lost Days of uh, Appa's Lost Days. Um, but uh, yeah, it just they turned into an entire episode just about what Appa was doing, which it was nice seeing what he was doing the first time. But every time I go through and rewatch it now, I basically skip the episode because I know it's eh. Yeah, I just I just think it was too long. I, I like the ideas behind it. The gang has to get around a different way. Now they can't just fly to wherever the heck they want to go. That's awesome. That that leads us to the uh, the conundrum. Like, how do we get out of the desert? That was that was neat. I like that. I like them introducing that to the story. But it, it just it just the longer it dragged on, the more it was just like, okay, let's just find Oppa. We know they're gonna find Oppa. Let's let's do this thing. I'll say this, from the time they get Toph, it seems like they're never a fully united team. There's always some kind of thing that comes up where one member is not with them, and it's usually Appa for most of the season, but it's not just Appa all the time. But when they are together, the few times the whole gang is together, they're unbeatable. That's a good point, Dietrich, and I wonder if that was purposeful, like like you said, maybe they leave a character out to make room... Um, because like you said, Toph was the new character this season added to the team, and to make room for everyone's story to fit, maybe they had to like, push someone out. That and the, the kind of point to having Toph on the team is that now they are really, this is, this is the teacher that Aang needed all along. The Swamp shows him that earlier in the season. When you think of Team Aang, the gang, if you will, I know a lot of people have coined that term before, you think of Sokka, Katara, Aang, and Toph. It, usually not Zuko, because he was part of the team for such a little time in the third season. But you really think of those four. And United, I mean, there's nothing they can't do, because Toph is like the best Earthbender ever. Period. By the way, I commend you on your little token on, like, your little Easter egg of Zuko being part of the team. Going back to your, the debate last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that, that was what's your point? What's your point on that? I'm just saying that you're throwing that nugget out there, but I mean, oh, I'm not yeah. biting it. 
I'm not biting. You're not biting it. Okay. Well, we're, no. we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We, we are. I'm, I, I, we have to talk about it. It's, it's, it's the main. It's the main contention of our group for this series. But yes, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think that uh, it was a strong arc to begin with, but kind of lost its, kind of lost its punch by the time it it concluded. Uh, Wesley, what's your favorite story arc? Or character arc, who, which, whichever, in in this in this season. Yeah, I really liked the addition of Azula, Mai, and Ty Lee. Um, I think those are fresh new characters, you know, villains, and you know, just Mai and Ty Lee—they're opposite personalities. So, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed those characters being added. Brings new life to this story. May would stab you for saying Mai. Ah. Uh, one of the strongest things about this season is the characters it introduced because we have great characters from the first season of course our our core uh Katara, Sokka, Aang, Appa, Momo and all them but now with the addition of Toph, uh Zuko, excuse me, Zuko is a part of that, Uncle Iroh, their mainstays in that first season. And they're they're kind of our five main characters in that first season. That stick throughout the whole season. I guess General Zhao is too, but he he's not in the second season. He died. But the strong one of the strongest points of this season is bringing in more characters. You have Azula, May, Ty Lee, all three great characters. You have Toph. You have the Dai Li, and Fong. Is it Fang? No, Fang. Lao Fang. Lao Fang, also a great character. The the Earth King. It's and I was a little Bosco. off. It's Long Fang, L O N G F E N G. Oh, I didn't see any Long Fangs on him, but <laughs> all great characters. So, Grant, what what is your favorite story arc or character arc in this season? It's so tough. Uh, this season, there's so many good character arts. Uh, the addition of Toph. Toph is my favorite character in all of Avatar: Last Airbender. Um, she's just funny and awesome and can really do anything despite every freaking challenge she faces um and i think it's a funny point when uh when they do get appa and they're flying on appa that she's like i can't feel anything so that that's like the scariest thing in the world for her is when they're riding on appa which is kind of funny because it's kind of like the safe space for for everyone else because when they're up there no one can really get to them all that well uh so it's kind of funny how it's reversed for her uh but my favorite character arc is honestly Zuko, um, because he, this is where he starts to make that change from that course, uh, just trying to get daddy's approval um, in season one to what we ultimately see, ultimately see in season three, which, you know, him joining Team Avatar and, uh, you know, having his own legs and standing upon them and, you know, not caring about anything really, but uh, making sure that he's happy. Uh, the change really starts in this season. And, uh, you know, he leaves Uncle Iroh, and that's sad, but it's what needed to happen for him to grow and uh, to get him where he needed to go. And, uh, yeah, just love his story in the, in the season and see his character grow. He doesn't stay flat. He uh, becomes very th- uh, three-dimensional. Yeah, I think that Zuko alone episode was very important for his development. You know, this is the first time he's ever been alone uh, like the name of the episode in this world, and even though he had, he did have Uncle Iroh like shadowing him, but he didn't know that at the time. But um, 
yeah and so that episode you, you kind of see him make decisions and you know kind of have you know sort of unfold and figure himself out right i like zuko's character arc in this season i, I like it I, I do have a little issue with him conquering his old self just to be thrown right back in because I like where he is in season three. I like the beginning. I like him going back to the fire nation and being that the, the, uh, the crown prince to take over fire Lord. I like him being the, the good son of the fire Lord and doing what people expect of him and doing this and doing that. I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I just hate that he went through all of that and just, it was all of an instant. He's right back to where he was kind of because he goes, he's get sick right at the end of the season. And he's like, I, what is this? What's happening? And uncle Iris was like, well, you're transforming. Like he's becoming like a, a beautiful butterfly. He was just a caterpillar before he's in a chrysalis and he's mm. sleeping and he's barfing and he's sick and sweating a lot and sleeping. And then he comes out a new beautiful butterfly serving tea. And then all of a sudden he just gets sucked right back in into the fire nation life. I like, I do like that. I'm not saying I don't like it. I just, I just hate that he went so far into the good and then just right back to the bad. Like I kind of wish it would have been a little more subtle. He would have had a little bit more conflict right before he turned fully back to the fire nation. Yeah, I can understand that. But, uh, thinking about it and, you know, uh, he, he went through that sudden change through that sickness. And I, I remember that section there of his story arc and, um, you know, him switching back really quick when opportunity presented itself, it kind of tested his, uh, his newfound, uh, you know, belief and, and going with, um, that he didn't need it anymore. And ultimately he failed that test at, at the start, but he, you know, in season three redeems himself, said, I, I made the wrong choice. Uh, you know, so it was just a gut reaction. And showing that while he has changed, um, he was still, you know, coming to terms with that. Right. And I, and I like the themes. I like the theming. And he, he doesn't stay on the side of the Fire Nation for very, very long. I think it's long enough. Like I said, I, I love that part of it. It's, it's a very minute, uh, very minute problem I have. It's not, not a big thing. It doesn't bother me that much, right? It's just I thought it was worth mentioning. I actually agree with Grant on this one. I, I like it. I think it's it shows that change is hard, and Iroh says that constantly. He's he's constantly referencing that it's not going to be easy, and I think ultimately he knows Zuko is probably going to have a hard time. He might even falter a little bit before he even started the whole process. So I think he right. knows to a degree of what what it's going to take to get him over the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I think uh, the big point of it is we know Avatar at the time was always about doing something different narratively um, than anything else that we had seen to that point. And most of the time when we see a character that goes good in other uh, mediums um, from you know being a bad guy, they turn good, whatever, uh, a lot of the times they just go straight there and it's just instant, it's like no regrets, no, no looking back or anything. And they, they went for the approach like that's not how reality is. It isn't so simple to just change your entire nature. The themes in his arc are incredible. I, I really, I really think that Zuko is probably the most relatable character in this show. Uh, if I'm being honest, I, I like, I like where he goes. I like where, I like what, what he goes through. I was also born a prince too. <laughs> Were you, Wesley? The prince of all saints. <laughs> 
I must fulfill my destiny. And I also have a drunk uncle. No. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I think Wesley's trying to tell us something. Are you Are you coming to knock down the doors of our <laughs> houses and take us over? <laughs> Dork Wars. The podcast was peaceful until Wesley attacked. Then everything changed when Wesley attacked. But if I have to pick a story arc that I think is my favorite, hmm, it's hard because everything in this show is really, really good. I'm not going to say everything is top tier amazing. I mean, everything has its faults, but there's nothing in Avatar that's just bad. You know, there's just, there's nothing that's just horrible. So my favorite, I think, may be Sokka's character arc. Because in the season one, mm. we see Sokka as the comic relief. Like, he's just the funny guy. He does have plans from time to time. He, he's the strategist of the team. But it, it really doesn't, doesn't take over. He's not the main... Like, he, he's not the one always coming up with what they're going to do and this, that, and the other. And this season, he really grows into... A leader, and we, we see him uh, take charge in the library. I think that's one of my favorite episodes in this season. Is when they go into a Washi Tong's uh, ancient library, and he goes and finds out when the next eclipse is going to be. And just seeing him come up with the plan of attacking the Fire Nation on the day of Black Sun, I I, I like seeing Sokka's character growth, and he he goes through a lot. He goes through a lot of changing, and he goes through a lot of this, but most of this, uh, what happens after that episode would not have happened had Sokka not taken the initiative and tried to get that plan together. Everything in the Earth King would, Kingdom would have been a little bit different. They wouldn't have had a plan to, to tell the Earth King about. They wouldn't have had a goal. So I really like the, the journey that Sokka went on this season. Now, with that, I would like to ask you guys who your favorite character is. I know we talked about favorite character arcs, but who's your favorite character? Let's, let's go with new characters. Who's your favorite new character in this season? Deidre, let, let's, let's hear it from you. Favorite new character. Gotta, gotta go with Toph. She's almost OP. Another reason why they, they gotta get rid of that giant bison, I guess, right? Yeah, they can't, have, is... they can't have Toph and a giant bison. That's just too much. It's ridiculous at that point. Yeah, and it's funny to me, though, because Toph is one of my favorite characters, but she does not go through a lot of growth at all. I don't think through the whole series. Not through she, her whole um, life. Not through, her, not through her whole life, if you jump forward to Legend of Korra. Um, but you meet her, and she is already a master earthbender. Like she She's has... taking these guys out with like little flicks of her fingers and little rocks like just pinpointing she's already she can feel the entire earth with her feet and she can do this and that she is just amazing exactly you know she, like you said she was introduced very tough very sassy very strong uh you know very inspiring but what's really interesting about this character there's not a lot of growth with her like you said but she's just interesting right from the get-go because she's living this dichotomy of she's this super strong earthbender at night but during the day she's a nice quiet good girl very polite with a noble family in the earth kingdom yeah. and so it's just it's very interesting 
Yeah, it, it is interesting. And I do like the character. And I think Toph being a, a flattish character, she does have moments of clarity where they, they go through a lesson, a self-contained lesson in an episode. She learns how to be yeah. part of a team. Right. She's very independent. It's not, a, it's not like a character arc, and it's not a lot of development. Yeah. But she's just learning how to be with the gang. Right. She also kind of learns how to accept leadership from others, but I guess that's part of being in the gang. Right. Yes, th- those are things she learns, and I, I like having a flattish character. And I say flattish just because she probably goes through the least amount of change over but anyone. We've also spent very little time with her, so we need to get her character established, so I get that, you know? Yeah, and that's true, too. Um, that's very true. But at the same time, I think it's refreshing, though, in this show where every other character is really developing, to have, like, a mainstay, to have a rock, if you will, a piece of earth that will not bend. <laughs> that's tough. But very good. Yeah. I, I enjoy Toph myself. Yeah, Toph is certainly awesome. And I mean, there isn't much character development for her, but she does a bunch of world building, uh, building, you know, with uh, inventing metal bending. Yeah, that's one of the cooler parts of, of, this, of, the, uh, of the season, I think. For me, it's also Toph, but uh, since we've already kind of talked about her and, and covered her, I, I will go on to... Um, Azula is my second favorite that's introduced here and uh, you know just seeing the difference in the psycho and the crazy that's in her that basically Zuko could have every excuse to be um, but he's not and you know seeing uh, how powerful she is how she trains and how um, how different she is compared to Zuko um, and other every other character she's completely unique and different um, she loves that power and authority and she flaunts it and uses it in every possible way imaginable and uh, you know seeing her character development because you know she, we first see her as confident and we don't really see it until uh, the next book where she loses that confidence and she starts to really lose it lose it and uh, yeah. it, seeing her character development in general is just uh, amazing and she comes in and, and is a great villain for this season for sure well I will disagree with you on one thing. I, I don't think she has much development in this season. And I just kind of jumping forward. I think her development kind of comes all at once, if you will. But we'll we'll get there um, yeah. next week, more than likely. But at first, she's really, she is more of a flatter character. She's just, she's, she's the main villain. Now, interesting, very interesting. When you, when she's introduced, you see her come in with the two old twin ladies. They're all creepy. And they're talking about finding Zuko, and you see her doing all this crazy lightning bend, and you're like, dude, I didn't even know you could do that. That's crazy. But yeah, she she is more fierce, more off the hinges than Zuko will ever be. Like, she is manipulative in a way that Zuko never really was. She manipulates. Uh, she uh, is constantly and she's powerful too and and uses her rage and her instability to kind of fuel her firebending she's really just she's like zuko in the fact that she's fire nation and she's looking to kill the avatar she kind of takes on that mantle but she is more determined than zuko ever was at claiming dad's dad's approval and i know zuko talks a big game in that first season 
But his actions and everything. I think she's just more competent. I think she's just better. She's like Zuko point two. You know? Yeah, and, and and she does. She she has more natural talent than Zuko does. Oh, you can see that just she can bend lightning where Zuko cannot. So I mean that right there is a, a indicator right off the bat that she's a better bender. Right? So yeah, she's she's better and she might be better just because she is more fierce. That might be what drove her to be a better bender and to, and to be this. But she's she's just the biggest baddest firebender we've seen up to this point. And you you have to kind of build on what Zuko was in season 1 and that is definitely Azula. Wesley, who is your favorite character? I hate to ask cuz you guys have already taken some of my favorite ones. I got to start asking myself first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but Wesley, and I'm Yeah, good question. I'm I'm debating between two choices here. And maybe y'all can help me sort it out. I'm thinking either the Swamp Benders are pretty cool. Like, it's different. You know, it kind of shows how diverse this world is. And just brings, gives the world more character of, like, these um these subsets of water bending. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's earth. I don't know if you consider earth bending or what, but it's water. Water bending, yeah. Um, then also, but then my other choice is is the guru that's what i was um, i, I was going to oh, recommend somebody yeah. talk about him if nobody you know chakra 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 juice is good yeah chakras chakras everybody loves chakras 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 chakra sandwich is good yum chakra yes yeah as crazy and weird as he was he was very very important um especially to you know to ang and just in general, just like healing and self-cleansing and, you know, just getting like the mental health you need and, you know, things like that. So he was very important to Aang's growth. Yeah. And we get so little time with the guru. But his insight is astounding. It's, it's great. It's like he really helps Aang kind of harness his avatar abilities so much in such a little time where it kind of, the ultimate goal was not reached, I think it bettered Aang in the long run, even though he kind of lost the Avatar state because of it. So after just watching this the last couple of days, it's really apparent how much this is the Empire Strikes Back of the series. And this character is clearly Yoda. And then Aang yep. leaves him <laughs> when his training is not completed because he loves his friends to go save his friends. The story beats are almost yeah. identical. Um, yeah. And then we, we end with the Fire Nation victory, much like we end with the, the group in Star Wars getting their butts handed to them right. in Bespin. It's, you know, the, it's basically the same overall story when you really think about it. Good parallel. Yeah, that's, that's bringing it back to Star Wars. It, it, that, that tracks. I, I agree. That, that's... We're doing, we are doing a lot of agreeing tonight. I think it's because we love we love Avatar so much. Um, and, and like I said, there's just nothing bad about it, really. I mean, there's nothing bad. There's some things that I like more than other things. There's nothing bad about Avatar. But v both very good um, characters, subset of characters. I like that. I think my favorite character, or I guess I'll go subset of characters since Wesley kind of did swamp bending. I really like the idea of the Dai Li and Long Fang as well. That whole secret organization within the Earth Kingdom that really ran the Earth Kingdom. Um, 
it's just it's crazy to me like how honestly the earth kingdom was going to be as bad as the earth Ki- or not the earth kingdom is going to be as bad as the uh, fire nation before too long because the dai li and long feng's goal i'm sure was to eventually take over the earth kingdom i don't know if they were just going to always roll with the king being kind of the figurehead and they just do what they they do but I don't, well, and I guess maybe not the Earth Kingdom, but at least Ba Sing Se, because the rest of the Earth Kingdom's definitely in the war. Maybe you guys know the answer to this, but I never quite understood how the power structure worked with the Earth, because there's multiple Earth Kings, but is Ba Sing Se, <laughs> is, is this king the highest of the kings? Because, you know, Bumi was an Earth King, but his city was not as big. Yeah. Are they all city-states? Like, is the Earth Kingdom this massive place and it's kind of like Athens, Greece, Sparta, where they kind of exert power over local stuff, but yeah. no, there is no one single government? I don't know. I, don't, I never quite understood how it worked. You know, I think they leave that ambiguous because I agree. I always, up till this point, literally about 10 seconds ago when you said it, I always imagined the Earth King being... Uh, the one we see at Bossing say he's like the biggest overall. He runs the whole country. That may not be true. However, I am going to kind of flash forward to Legend of Korra because we see uh, Kavira is trying to reunite the entire Earth Kingdom in that show. I think that's season three. It might be season four. I don't remember. But her goal it's the is last to season. Okay, so her goal is to unite the whole Earth Kingdom under one banner once again. Um, because parts of it are owned by the Fire Nation, and they took part of it for Imperial City, stuff like that. But it really seems like they're all going to unite under her. And I think she, whoever, and they, I think they end up assassinating the Earth Queen at the time, who's a descendant of the Bossing Se Earth King. So it really, I think it implies that he is like the king of all the Earth Kingdom. I don't remember now if Boomy. I didn't know he was considered an Earth King, and he may have been. And maybe that was. Okay, just, I'm looking at it now. He's called yeah. King Boomy yeah. multiple times. That is true. That is true. He is King right. Boomy. So I'm, I'm looking it up now. And so what it is is of uh, Earth Kingdom is a Confederate constitutional monarchy. So there are a bunch of kings over smaller states, but yeah, the Earth King is that main one uh, that we meet this this season, I believe. And Bossing say so. He's, he's, a, he's yeah. So the other kings are kind of like governors. Uh, I think a confederation implies they have a little more autonomy. They don't answer directly to the Earth King in a way like that's subservient. Yeah. They they will rally forces and like give him aid, and they act loosely because a confederacy yeah. is not like an empire, you know. Right. We'll get into the politics of Avatar. That's. I wonder who wrote that. That's got to be some Dave Filoni stuff right there. But yeah, I love all those characters, and we we need to come back before before we before we move on, and we're going to talk about our our favorite episode or least favorite episode in a minute. But I do want to talk about our ongoing discussion of Aang and Zuko. We haven't really talked about Aang very much, which is funny. Um, but I want to talk about Aang and Zuko. We we kind of started a discussion last last week where I said that I believe that Aang and Zuko are the yin and the yang of this series. While they are not the same, they kind of act in opposite ways, but are all it's all going to culminate into the single goal. I have some points for this season. I think most of my points are going to be next season. But I do I do want to uh, open open this Pandora's box. I know once you open it, you might not be able to close it. <laughs> 
Go ahead, Blake. The floor is yours. Floor is mine. I get to start off. Okay. So, in this season, Zuko's kind of going on his journey, and he's he's becoming that beautiful butterfly, or he's trying to. And Aang, Aang's already a butterfly, okay? Aang's, he's a butterfly. <laughs> but we see, we, they don't interact very much in this season. I don't think they really interact until the season finale, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. They find each other in that small town. I think it's like the second time we see Azula, um, and they're all kind of teaming up against Azula for a second there. That is true. Yes. We, so they interact twice, I think, in the whole season. Where last season, it was literally every episode is Aang versus Zuko, right? So we have Aang doing all the Earth Kingdom stuff. He goes, well, at first he goes and finds Toph, and then he goes to Ba Sing Se. Then we have Zuko and Iroh who start off. They're going to go back to the homeland. They're, they're going to be received as family or whatever by Azula. That doesn't happen. They escape and they're kind of on their own path. But they, they don't really interact much this season. And I think Zuko's doing things in a way that Zuko does. In a way that Aang wouldn't do them. But he's coming around to the good side. He's coming around to a goal where he doesn't, he doesn't want to be a Fire Nation prince. He wants to just be Zuko. He wants to do things his way. He he really doesn't like his dad. I think he finds that out this season. Like he he his dad sucks and he realizes this. And Aang is doing the good, right? He's he's kind of the constant. Aang is always doing the good stuff and Zuko is kind of, I feel like he's the anti-hero at least right now. Especially in that Zuko alone episode. He's really anti anti-hero vibes. My argument is that Zuko will do the gray stuff. He will do what he needs to do. But it all comes out to the good of the gang, even if he doesn't mean it to right now. But they're all, they're kind of swirling around one another in this season, not really interacting, but they're swirling around one another, and it's all going to culminate in the destruction of the Fire Lord at the very end. So like I said, I didn't have very many points this season. Yeah, I don't think this season was your strong evidence season because, you know, for Ying and Yang, like, I think, like, inverse or, like, parallels to some degree, but this season, they, Aang was on a completely different trajectory, and then Zuko is figuring himself out with, you know, he's conflicted inside of what he's trying to, who right. is he, you know? I'll give you that. I'll I, con- I, I don't I, think. I, I may have to concede this season. One, and here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue my point. One, to be yin and yang, you need one another to survive. Correct. And I would argue that if Zuko had died, Aang could have still done everything he did. This season, yes. <laughs> I'd, I'd argue that he could have found another teacher. I think Iroh would have stepped in. We'll talk about that next season. Talk about that next season. So this, this season, it might not be much of a discussion. Just because Zuko is working on himself. Now, next season, though, they are working towards a goal. And that's where I'm, I'm coming in hard next, next episode, <laughs> next season. But yin and yang is more like destruction and creation. They are two things that are needed to continue life and to continue progress. If you're stagnant, then you won't grow. That's the destruction. That's why we need... That's kind of why a lot of religions express the need for pain to a degree and suffering. And then we also need life and growth and creation. 
And I just, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced of the symbiosis between Aang and Zuko. You will be. <laughs> like I said, I'm coming in hard next episode. But, there you go. <laughs> but I think maybe we just we should just table this discussion. I thought I'd bring it up because we brought it up last last episode, and we're I'm definitely talking about it next episode. We'll, we'll build in the cases, like so. We'll come in next week with the final with with the final final hearing. One big thing that you missed on this uh, talking about this specific topic, Blake, is the fact that while Zuko is kind of changing during the season, kind of getting uh, legs under him to be under his new, uh, what we'll see in season three where he, he's good. Aang does the reverse. And when he loses Appa, he kind of goes off, goes oh, off the rails a little bit. Oh, great. Coming Greg with the assist. Coming in clutch. Coming in clutch. Ooh. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Aang goes off the rails, dude. At the same time, that's Zuko's true. finding just himself. Two characters are doing opposite. They are doing opposite, but that's just opposite <laughs> paths. I know, but that doesn't mean they need each other. That's not yin and yang. That is not the same definition, though. They're doing the opposite things as somebody else does not mean you're the yin and the yang to each other. Here's the rebuttal against that: they both lose somebody and leave something, or lose something and leave something important to them during the season. Zuko leaves Iroh, and you see what happens to him. Aang loses Appa, and you see what happens to him. It's complete reverse, even though they're in a very similar situation. Ooh. I like it. I don't know what. Oh God, Wesley's thinking, dude. I see Wesley. I'm going to hold to my argument that just because two characters are doing the opposite things at a certain time does not mean that they are the yin and the yang to each other. You can be a foil. You can be a foil to a main character and not be in a yin-yang relationship with them. I can agree with that, Diedrich. I can agree with that point. But for now, let's table this until next week because I'm coming in hard, coming in fast. Maybe not fast. It might be slow. I don't know. I'm gonna really do my research this this week on on all of it. Bring the punches. I'm not. Yeah, I'm pulling no punches next week. That's gonna suck because I don't want to buy a new computer if I try to swing at one of you guys. <laughs> we, we we we're all here virtually. We're not all together at the same time. For for those listening, um, it'd be kind of tough to do that. But all right, let's let's move to uh, our favorite episode. No, no, let's not do favorite episode. That would suck. We we need to leave off on our favorite episode. Let's talk about the crappy ones, the ones we like the least. I don't think there's any crappy ones. But coming coming to to you, Grant. What is your least favorite episode of book two? My least favorite episode of the season is Appa's Lost Days, episode sixteen. Oh, like yes, it's heart touching to figure out what happened to Appa during that time. I guess I, I just. It's just kind of, it doesn't really hit well for me. It doesn't, it, it it's like big reprieve from what's going on in the story. Um, you know, uh, the episode before it, Tales of Bossing Say, we see what, you know, the uh, the gang's up to. But I mean, Appa's Lost Days, it, it backtracks to the middle of the season to uh, where he's taken at the library and then covers the entire distance of what happened to Appa over a five episode span for us as and our characters. And for Appa, he gets 20 minutes, and it's just kind of like very compressed and very fast and uh, doesn't feel rewarding at the ending. Yeah. So heartless, man. We get the whole story of Aang's pet, and he's part of the team, very important part of the team. Oh, I and, agree. You know, it's, yeah. And we get the whole episode from Appa's perspective, too. So you Aang know, would not like you calling him his pet. 
They're spirit partners, <laughs> which they really. So I'm getting are. stabbed by May and get <laughs> air twirled by Aang now. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, I, I can I can understand that, Wesley. But at the same time, it just feels like they could have done it alongside the regular story, so that way we can go back and forth. Instead, they decide to give them 20 minutes and a full episode. And it feels like the story's kind of standing still because we know where it's heading because we have already know that Appa's in Bossing Se. Yeah. I, I thought that was... I'm the opposite on Grant. I thought that was one of the better episodes of the season because it was such an emotional and driven episode in 20 minutes. It was like a movie in a sense and, you know, just well done in a short amount of time. But I, I kind of see both of your points. I think self-contained... It's a great episode. If someone was to submit that to a uh, a short film festival or something, cool. It's very emotional, and it, it tugs at the heartstrings. And they really tell a good story where the main t- character doesn't even talk. I think they tell a great story. But to Grant's credit, I do think that it just backtracks so much, and it's like we realized that Appa was taken. They were going to sell Appa, and then he gets put at Lake Lao Guy. So that's that's one of that's kind of one of my least favorite episodes too, though. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Even though I like it as an episode in it within itself, it just doesn't do much for me in the context of the bigger season. So, DJ, I want to come to you. What is your least favorite episode in Avatar: The Last Airbender, Book Two? My least favorite episode is Tales from Ba Sing Se. No, it's not. You told me the other night we were talking about this. Just me and you. I know what he's doing. I know what he's doing. This is he's setting this up. All right, all right. So, okay, I'll go ahead and get into it. So, I don't care about so much of that episode that I tune out, right? Because it's just like fun little, maha. It's like Momo doing some bullshit. Excuse me. Yeah. He's just like he's doing some cartoony things, right? And then you got uh, <laughs> Katara and Toph getting like makeup done, right? And they're right. just like going through the city and whatever. It's all, it's, it's very happy-go-lucky stuff. And then they hit me with an emotional A-bomb out of nowhere that I <laughs> am never ready for, even though I've watched this now four or five times yeah. in my life. But watching it now as a father and watching Iroh go through his day and in singing that song, I cried. Yeah. So he sings a song at the very end of the episode where he's, throughout the day, he's kind of getting prepared for what everybody assumes is like a fun picnic. And then he goes out to the site, I guess, of his son's grave. It's, it's kind of ambiguous as to why that tree is special. But he goes right. out to this tree, that's, I, I assume, outside of the city. And he sets up a picnic, and he just he sings and cries himself. And as a father, that broke my freaking heart. Be, not only because of the song, but because... And I'll get into a little bit about the entire season, but I just want to stick with this episode right now. Throughout his little moments in the episode, he is acting as a father to every single character he meets. The first person is actually a kind of like a middle-aged flower salesman. And he's like, oh, you need to put the, the flower in the shade because that's how they grow. And he's like, oh, thank you. And then he sees <laughs> a baby, sings to the baby, gets the baby to stop crying. He meets up with these kids, gives them great life advice, but he's also real. Because when he realizes the kids will never make up for the window they broke and this guy's going to kick their butt, he's like, well, sometimes life happens. Run. Yeah. That's you know, very he's like, sometimes like it's real. He's like, sometimes it's good to make up for what you do wrong and you need to try to make it right. And then when he realizes it's not that practical this time, he's like, well, all right, let's go, kids. <laughs> so it's funny, but it's also kind of like real life advice. Like, try, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. 
Um, and then it just ends with an, an emotional A-bomb. Yeah. And it hits me every time. And it's not that I hate the episode. It's that I'm never ready for that song. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. And, uh, you know, they actually made that episode and his story specifically because of his original voice actor dying just a couple weeks before it was aired. And there's another A-bomb. It's another A-bomb. Yeah, that episode is, is basically made... Yeah, that episode is basically made and aired and is dedicated to his original voice actor, Meiko uh, Iwamatsu, uh, who had died just uh, one week after chapters 10 and 11 of the season, so episode 30 and 31 uh, initially aired. Dang. Thank you, Grant, for crushing us all again. And to build on Dietrich's episode, um, just switch it up a little bit, or the Tales of Boston Say, like, I really liked the Momo tale as well because that was a little heartbreaking you know you get the whole tale from his perspective and and then he goes and he's looking for his buddy appa and he's you know he's looking everywhere and then he finally at the end heartbreaking like he finds appa's like with a footprint yeah, and, yeah. and like, he and curls up in, in the middle of it late and lays down mm. Mm. just powerful heart, it's powerful heartbreaking now I'm gonna give Dietrich I really do some, like that episode. I'm I'm giving so you like that episode, but you don't like the one with Oppa's perspective. <laughs> Listen, right. I like it because of Iroh. Okay, just his story and the meaning behind it. it it's very special. You don't see that a lot of the times in a lot of mediums nowadays. Well, um, and so, well, I'm gonna give Diedrich crap because I said preliminarily to this episode, me and Diedrich had dinner with our families last weekend, and I said, I think one of my least favorite episodes may be the Tales of Ba Sing Se, and he side-eyed me and told me <laughs> I was wrong. And tonight, he comes up in here with this crap, and I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little blindsided I just, now. <laughs> I rewatched the episode, and I'm like, I hate everything except for the last five right? minutes, but the last five minutes is crazy, like, emotional. Right? It's alright, man, you'll come around on Zuko and Aang too. I got you. Uh, Wesley, what is your least favorite episode in Book Two Earth? I'm still struggling to, to, to pick an episode I don't like, but and y'all, I hope y'all can correct me if, if this is a bad choice. We'll but I'm picking the drill. Yeah, I'm picking the drill. Your opinion is wrong, and here's why. <laughs> you suck, Wesley. The I'm drill is amazing. The drill? Oh, okay, that's like okay, okay. I remember the that. chase. No, not the chase. the chase. No, it's the no, drill. No, the drill. Yeah, episode 13. Uh, um, when the drill is drilling into the wow. side of the wall of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I was getting my episodes mixed up. It it was kind of frustrating because this is in the middle of Aang. He's looking for Appa still, but then they get interrupted. Like, you got to put Appa on hold. You got to deal with this, the Fire Nation's drill. And, you know, it just seemed like a... It just, I don't know. It just seemed like an interruption from, like, a something that felt important to me i was finding oppa um and you know they end up going in destroying the drill right and stopping it and yeah. i mean he had to go and do his avatar business you know he had to put aside his personal feelings and i think that was a big character moment for ang i actually really like the interruption from the oppa stuff i'm not saying that it, you know that the drill should have took precedence or whatever but i do like that they they roll up to uh to the wall of Bossing say, and they're going, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, there's this humongous drill just pounding the wall. And I think the shock, I remember watching this show when I was a kid, I remember watching this episode, and I remember yeah. 
like, it was just kind of like, oh, no, like, something's going down. And it was. It was the drill. And they take it out. You know, they go through the the, the machinations of a, uh, of a children's TV show, and they go in and they learn a lesson about taking down parts of this thing is going to bring down the hole in the end. It, it was a cool, cool lesson learned. And watching the drill come down was really cool. I actually liked that episode a lot. But I can understand why you would say that. It, like you said, it was a was an interruption. But that interruption turned into kind of what happens in Ba Sing Se. And while I really kind of don't like everything that happens in the Ba Sing Se stories, like the, the, the middle of Ba Sing Se gets really boring, like Tales of Ba Sing Se and Appa... Uh, lost days those those episodes are they're okay but they you know it just kind of like oh my gosh let's just get to it that's that's kind of the filler of this season is right there in the middle of the bossing say stuff this kind of catapults us into all of the political craziness that is bossing say and it starts with the drill so that's that's kind of why i like that episode but good choice I, i get it my least favorite episode has got to be the chase the one that grant halfway referenced earlier Toph is new to the team. They find Toph. She comes with them. The next episode is Zuko Lost. Great episode. And then the very next episode is The Chase, where nobody can get some sleep and we're running from the Fire Nation. I think it was just bland. I don't think it was a horrible episode. I just think it was bland to me. Nothing really moves the plot forward. Um, We do get Toph being Toph. She doesn't want to help the group. And Katara being a mom and trying to get her to help the group. and. Everyone's tired and cranky. It, eh, it's it's okay, but it's not it's not my favorite. Definitely my least of least favorite of the season. Yeah, I can relate to them of ha- not having enough sleep. Well, I mean, I get <laughs> I, it. I, I felt I get it. That hurt. That hurt I'm me. I'm trying to watch Avatar <laughs> to get away from my problems. Okay, and that that just throws me right back <laughs> into it. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's two a.m. and I'm watching these kids not sleep. I should be sleeping, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that episode is uh, it's not very, not very great. Um, I don't. The machines are cool and all, and and figuring out using Toth to kind of say, oh, they're on our, they're on a trail again. Yeah. Um, was pretty cool. But other than that, it just kind of seemed like, okay, we're just gonna chase you in the in these machines and chase you and chase you yeah, and chase it, you. I know it's called the chase, but come on now. It kind of solidifies why Toph is important to the team, but we already knew why. Like she just kicked every Earthbender's butt two episodes ago in the earth bending championships. So, I mean, we we're not doubting her skill at all at this point. So it just kind of seemed mad to me. So let's get to the fun part of the episode. We're, we're going to talk about our favorite episode of the season. Woo, woo. Let's go in reverse order. I'm start. Well, except for me, I always go last, but Wesley, I was like, you go first, Blake. <laughs> okay. Wesley, what is your, Oh, so I'm first. Well, I guess I can go first. I'll go first. Dang it. I never go first. <laughs> Blake, what is your favorite episode of this Dude, I don't even. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. No, I do know. I do know. I think my favorite episode would have to be the library. Oh, I take it back. You're going last. No, I never get to say my favorite one. Y'all always take my favorite one before me. This is my favorite one. I know you took my favorite one. Did I? I'm sorry. That's all right. I'll pick a pick a new favorite. No. You pick a new favorite. You'll be your second no, yeah. favorite. The library is definitely my favorite episode of book two. The library itself is amazing. It's just this big library full of all of this knowledge from the spirit world and the and the natural world. Washington 
is a creepy spirit creature. Like the the owl, he, he can stretch his <laughs> the neck owl. all out. He's so crazy the way he talks, <laughs> the way he looks at it's you. Nightmare fuel. He he is. He really is. <laughs> I feel like this is the point in the series where the animation really takes it up a notch. Like we've had great animation, but this animation in this episode seems different to me. And it might just be the owl itself, but it's it's got a really defined look in this episode that I really really enjoy. Um, I, I like the, the premise of the library itself. I like Sokka using the library to find out when the solar eclipse is going to happen. We get some backstory from season one. We find out that this is where um, General Zhao came to find out about the moon spirit and about all the stuff in the Northern Water Tribe. That that was some cool backstory. Just a great episode all around. The, the creatures are neat. Oh, yeah. The story's neat and... And washing tongue. He's just like, you humans are all the same. And that is that is a theme that they hold to. While the good guys are doing good things, they are still falling into that category of using the library to get the edge on someone else in a war. And I, I think that is a it's a very deep thing for a ch- children's TV show. Uh, but at the same time, it, it speaks to me. It's like, yeah. They're doing the right thing, and they're using this library in a way that the user didn't want them to. Even though they're doing good, they're doing the same thing Zhao did, and millions of other people have done, apparently. So, great episode, good theming. Yeah, that, that mystic library being buried in the sand is really cool. I, I, that's one episode I always remember when I think of Avatar. Yeah. And then uh, one one part of the episode that I think is important is, you know, Appa being captured outside mm-hmm. and Toph, yeah, you, you just felt the stress of Toph having Struggle, to choose whether yeah. to save Appa or save her friends and she had to let Appa go. She, said, she, um, she says a tearful goodbye to Appa. She apologized. She's crying. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, I just oh that this episode I think just has it all. That that's that's what I like yeah. about it. Well, Wesley, since we're going reverse order, and I took your favorite episode, I'm gonna have to ask about your f- second favorite episode in book two. <laughs> Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. No. <laughs> yeah, I forget the next couple lines, but uh, there it goes. Secret tunnel. No, I'm just kidding. That's not my favorite one. Um, I'm actually just going to go with uh, the Blind Bandit. And I know we've spoken a lot about this already. We've, we've spoken a lot about Toph, how cool of a character she is. And yeah, I like that episode. I think it was a good introduction for her. I think Toph deserves every bit of acclaim that we've given her tonight. She is a great character. And the Blind Bandit has got to be one of my favorite episodes of the season as well. I, I can agree to that just because... We get to see amazing earthbending action. Uh, we see her whip all the other earthbenders. And that's that's one of my favorite parts. We also get introduced to the boulder. The boulder! I mean, that is one of the coolest things. Uh, he is He's hilarious. When I think of Avatar, it's one of the voices I hear when I think Avatar is <laughs> the boulder. But just her struggle, that's the most character development I think we get out of Toph in the entire series. She goes from a secret wrestling, Wrestlemania participant 
who acts all good in front of her parents, to really doing what she needs to do and doing what she wants to do despite her disabilities and despite what her parents think. Great development, great episode. So Grant, what is your favorite episode of book two, Earth? My uh, favorite episode typically is The Blind Bandit. Um, but actually, Wesley made a joke about The Cave of Two Lovers, but I actually do like that episode a lot this season. Secret tunnel! Secret tunnel! Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is, the A, the song. I mean, Secret Tunnel. Secret Tunnel! Who doesn't know that song? Uh, the guy who was singing it, actually. <laughs> something, no, what's, something, What's that song something. called again? Secret Tunnel! Tunnel! Secret Tunnel! <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's uh, great and one of my favorites. And also, um, you know, we see Zuko and Iroh. Iroh, this is where he drinks the tea that he thought was poisonous, <laughs> and it turns out it's not poisonous. Yeah. And that's just funny. And uh, But beyond it being funny, Zuko, uh, you know, meets that young, compassionate healer and kind of uh, begins his, his metamorphosis into who he turns into. It really starts here in this episode. Until he steals um, from her, like a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he Yeah, but he ends up putting it back. Um, and, and then Aang and Katara, their, uh, their relationship goes to that next level here and actually starts to develop it to something. So that way, at the end, it doesn't just seem out of the blue that, uh, you know, they end up together. It's kind of like uh, it, it starts to really build here and actually build into something and show that both of them uh, kind of go somewhere because, you know, it ends up with the kiss. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Wait it, a minute. It lights the way. Wait a minute. Did they kiss? I don't know. It was in the dark. What, what do you guys think? We, Unconfirmed. We have to get into it. Do you think they kissed Grant? Do you think they did? It's important. I mean, it's called the Cave of Two Lovers, so I'm going to say yes. So you have to so you have to kiss someone to love them? What if you're born without a mouth? No, no but I mean, it's just, you know, lips touching, showing the love, and they both accepted it at that point because, you know, until then, Aang was, well, Aang, he was a little kid. He wanted to be that 12-year-old child that ran around and didn't worry about anything like that. But it was at that point that he kind of, uh, he, he kind of accepted he couldn't just run around and be that 12-year-old child um, and Katara obviously loved him from the beginning, so. I was disappointed in my boy Aang earlier in the episode um, when they were talking about kissing, and he was like, ew, I would never kiss you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think he was just that. going, like, extremely opposite of how he felt, so he wasn't embarrassed. I think, I mean, he didn't really yeah. feel that way, obviously. He's 11. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Katara just has a thing for bad boys, and Aang's got tattoos, so... <laughs> I'm just gonna say this and leave it here. Every scene where Katara and Zuko are together, I'm like, oh, it's going down. Dude, Zuko and Katara <laughs> have such a tension. I mean, I'm telling you. They do. I made a meme. I wonder if in their adult lives, uh, Katara leaves Aang for a little bit and goes for the bad boy side. You know, Aang dies. And uh, Katara and Zuko are still alive, so... Uh... Hmm. Maybe Zuko be riding on that wrong. dragon down to the southern uh, water tribe. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think Katara be riding that dragon. Oh, no. Oh. Great. I like it. Great. Yes. Oh, no. He's been corrupted. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't a secret no more. But I did make a meme. Uh, with the cabbage guy, I think it was last week, where it's it's him holding the cabbage, but it says Zutara on it, which is Zuko and Katara. 
And uh, he's like, I love it or whatever. And then it's the platypus bear destroying his cabbages. And on it, is, the platypus bear is Katang. And the the uh, cabbage the cabbage cart is Zutara. And he's just destroying it. And cabbage cart guy going, my Zutara. Like, I thought it was pretty funny. Ah, my cabbages! It's kind of funny how they have these little uh, kind of uh, joke characters that are so memorable, like uh, the cabbage guy and the secret tunnel guy. They're so memorable, but and like the they're boulder. only in... Don't forget the boulder. And, and the boulder, yeah. I mean, it's it's really magical how they were able to make these characters that are so memorable and funny, and you know, you, you can walk away from it, and one of the main characters that you'll remember is the cabbage guy, no matter who you ask about Avatar. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it, Avatar does very well with their little their little joke characters. They they really stick in there, and they're they're flavorful, man. Like they have a lot of flavor, and I think that's why we like them so much. So Secret Tunnel, good episode. I, I liked it a lot. Dietrich, coming to you, man. What is your favorite episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender, Book Two, Earth? I'm gonna go with Lake Leon guy. Lake Lao guy? Yeah, that's the one. Because that's the one where we get Appa back with Aang. And we get our first little hint that Zuko might do something a little more altruistic. Yeah. Uh, it's just a good episode. There's a lot of combat. I think I love the fact that we, when we see Appa return and the gang back together, they just absolutely destroy the Dai Li. Yeah. They really it's like do. not even a match. Just just I just up alone finishes off like a two thirds of them, and then the, the rest of the gang have an easy picking on the rest. So it's not even really a battle. But I love that. I also love the fact that Iroh just strolls in as Zuko is kind of making his life decisions. He just walks into the base. <laughs> like I'll say, it, this is a recurring theme that in, at any point Iroh could have stepped in and probably solved the issue. But he wanted the kids to learn great life lessons because he's just that great of a mentor. He is. To basically the world. And I'll, I'll say this. Every time we see him in season two, people around him just become better people. It's true. Like he, he just has this way of making everybody's boat rise in the ocean just by being near them. Yeah. So he's like he's at the same time this ultimate symbol of like masculinity because he is basically unstoppable. He stops Azula a couple of times in her tracks. Yeah. And then he's also like the most caring, kind, gentle man at the same time. So he has the yin and the yang inside him. Oh no, he is the yin and yang. But we, we'll man, we'll talk about that next next episode. We too. also, I think it's heavily implied that either now or sometime soon he reaches full enlightenment because in Legend of Korra, he's one of the only humans we see in the spirit world and he's just fine he's having a ball he's like chilling with all the spirits so if he's not in pain or he's anything he's retained his corporal form like he's just a spirit dude I, i'd like that story i know avatar the uh avatar comes out with comic books i would like that story i want to see how uncle iroh just became a spirit and i get it he was definitely in tune with the spirits and stuff but i, I want to see how that happened yeah, and another thing about this episode is we get to see the return of uh, some of one of my least favorite characters in season one, Jet, Smeller Jet. B, and Longshot come back in this no, episode. No, they've been back most of this season. They've been back for four or five episodes at oh, this yeah. point. They, they actually track Zuko and Iroh from the time they enter Ba Sing Se. They all come in as refugees together. And then 
Do we see them do it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. This this is where the gang interacts with them for the first time. That's what it is. Jed originally wants Zuko to join them. Yeah, he wants him to join them. And Zuko's like, you wouldn't like us. Right, and then he finds out that Iroh's a firebender, and then which he's right, and then goes on this crazy mission to get them to reveal that they are firebenders, and then the Dai Li take and brainwash him. Then he goes back not remembering anything. Then the gang catches up with him and Smiller B and Longshot are like, yeah, he's acting funny. Then they all go back uh, to Lake Lao Guy in this episode, aptly titled Lake Lao Guy. And then Jet dies. So, <laughs> Well, it's very ambiguous. Now, nah, he doesn't show up ever again. He's dead. He's dead. Jet died. They make that joke, though, in, in season three. Do they? That it's left... Intentionally ambiguous. They, remember the play that's recapping all of the story up until that See, point? See, I haven't got there yet in my rewatch. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Let's, let's leave point. that for next time. Yeah, we'll save that for next week. Uh, I'm, I'm almost... I, I'm like two episodes away from that. So, I'll definitely watch it. I, I love that episode. That episode is so funny. Oh, gosh. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that episode next week. It might go down as my favorite. <laughs> Unless you take it first. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. I won't go first on my favorite two weeks in a row. Blake's not allowed to go first ever again. <laughs> Whatever. This is the first time I've ever gone first. <laughs> he took. He took I'm mine. Sorry, he took mine. Okay. <laughs> I've had three people take my my top three almost every time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh. But book two, uh, we're, we're kind of here at the conclusion of Avatar The Last Airbender, book two, Earth. I've loved watch, re-watching this, this season. It's been great. This is, like I said earlier, this is where the story really picks up. We start digging deep into the characters we have. And the new characters, they come in and are instantly our favorites, our, our new favorites. And it's just a great season. So do we have any final thoughts on this season? I like how it ends the opposite of the way season one ended. So season one ended with this great battle and the heroes won the battle. Season two ends with this insurgency. So not not a great like set piece combat, but a lot of political intrigue, right? Instead, and the bad guys win. It's it's the opposite. And I like that. It's a big tonal shift. It's a very Dave Filoni thing to do. It is. It rhymes, you know. Yeah, like Dito was saying, you know, like book one, it, it, the goal was to set up the world, and it, it only had one goal was to for the the crew to reach the North Pole. Whereas book two, it expanded a lot more. It had a lot more character development, especially with Zuko. Oh man, they did Zuko so they good did. this season with his inner conflictions. Um, and you know, personally, I enjoyed his inner conflictions within himself rather than his outward conflictions with others. That was. Just a little side note I had, but yep, uh, I best my favorite season. I don't my favorite book out of all wow. three books. Wow, and I've heard that from you, and I've heard that from Diedrich as well. That he's I don't know he might backtrack. He backtracked on Tales of Ball Sing Say with me earlier, so he might backtrack on that on, on that too. No, I'm not gonna backtrack. I'm not gonna. I I would say this is the best. It, it's the same reason why I like Empire, the best of the original trilogy of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I might, I might go against you guys next week on that because I really, really love book three. But this is where it all starts, though. We, we get the introduction of new characters. Great stories for our returning characters. 
this season really does have it all, and it, and it sparks new ideas for this world, like metal bending. That's something we didn't ever think of. Um, the mm-hmm. swamp benders in in like the second episode, no one ever thought that water bending could be used like that. So it expounds. It really world builds here. This is a huge world building uh, season. This season does a, a good job of getting us to the uh, final act of Avatar: The Last Airbender, which is Book Three. So with that, let's go on and turn it over to Master Yoda for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. The boulder is taking over the word of the week. (laughs) Uh, I, I I would really rather not do this with the boulder. Riding the dragon. Uh, no, master. Yes, take take over, Emma. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a little bit more comfortable with Master Yoda. We've worked together now for over a year, and the boulder's just loose cannon. And I don't think riding the dragon is something I want the viewers to to listen to. But master, master Yoda, what do you think the word of the week should be? Hmm. Destiny. The word of the week is. Destiny. We, we really didn't talk much about Destiny uh, specifically, but uh, Zuko definitely goes through a metamorphosis here. Aang really has to deal with things inside of himself when he loses Appa, and he, he really gets a, a new fire lit under him uh, about this war and fighting for, for justice. We have all these characters that kind of find themselves. Um, Sokka has great development for his Destiny later on, this is the season that kind of catapults us into what everyone becomes. So, yeah, I can agree with that. Yes. So, Master Yoda, what would you say is the destiny of a Dork Wars podcast? Hmm. See into the future, I can. Very disappointed you will be. Uh, all right. Not much money there is in podcasting. More fights there will be. Crazy you all are. That's pretty ominous, but uh, we'll, we'll have fun anyways. So thank you for that word of the week, Master Yoda. And that brings us to the end of another great episode of Dork Wars, the podcast. Remember, you can find us on DorkWarsPodcast.com. You can find the links to our show, to our YouTube channel, our merchandise store. Check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Interact with us. We love hearing from you guys who listen to the show. Uh, make suggestions on what we should talk about. Comment on our posts. Let's just have a great chat. I, w- I would love that. Uh, message us. We-, we love that kind of stuff. So until next time, thank you. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars The Podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars The Podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a Come On Home, Daddy Wants Us Back. Come on. Production.